Hello, and welcome to the Stop Devaluation Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the Stop Devaluation Movement, Melody Hilton. The heart of this movement is to see the value in all of humanity and live courageous lifestyles of using our power for good instead of harm. We can affect change by choosing validation over judgment. And I hope you'll take your place and make a positive impact in this world. Woven within every human being is intrinsic value and an innate contribution to society. Many times, our past experiences, where and how we grew up, the bad choices we made, or society's labels want to define us, limit us, and throw a lid on who we truly are and what we can accomplish in life. Those things can scream lies about our worth and our potential, saying that we are locked into a prescribed way of thinking and acting. That false reality of fear wants to lock us into a prison of limitation and passive acceptance of, this is just the way it is, or this is my lot in life. A false identity screams that we're just not good enough, so we build emotional walls around us in order to simply survive. With all that said, we are not predisposed to live our lives defined by our past. We can direct our focus to what we can become as we look for leaders who model a higher and better way of thinking, believing, and living. We can rise up and choose to take one step at a time to walk out of our past into a brighter future. In today's episode, Justin Murrell has done just that. He was drawn to... He observed and pursued individuals that he learned from, and he allowed them to speak into his life. He continues to choose that which will unlock his potential. He gives his life fully to others who are now living in the emotional captivity that he once lived in. Justin's story reveals the ability to destroy the box that society wants to put you in and walk in a purpose-driven life, touching thousands. Today, I'm so honored to introduce you to Justin Murrell. Thank you so much for joining us, Justin. Oh, thank you, Dr. Hilton. It's so awesome to be with you guys today. I am thrilled to interview you today because I know your life has not always been perfect, But yet, now today, you are impacting so many for good. So could you share with me some of the challenges of your childhood or your youth age and where you experience devaluation or injustice? Yes. Um, So I'm born and raised here in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, Been here for my whole life. Left and came back. But I was born in the inner city um, in a neighborhood that's considered at risk. Don't really care for that word, but it's... It's the label that they place on you in at-risk neighborhood. Mm. Um, so a lot of poverty, a lot of uh, gang violence, a lot of opportunities to get caught up in some of the wrong things. Um, and a, a lot of that, just being born in that neighborhood, on top of that, it was single-family household for the first six to seven years of my life. So um, had a big-time fatherhood wound. My biological father was not a part of the picture. So as a result of that, I just grew up with a lot of anger, Mm. Um, low self-esteem, abandonment issues, um, 
and just really talent to um, be inspired to live life well. Well, isn't that something? It's not always what happens to us, but maybe some things that were not invested into us when we needed it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I would say, like, even in that context, as I mentioned, when you grow up in the inner city, at risk neighborhood, you have an opportunity to really get involved um, with some things that are not necessarily healthy uh, right. for healthy life choices. So I found myself, even at a young age, um, being interested and intrigued and then eventually in my teenage years kind of dibbling, dabbling in um, some gang stuff and some drug stuff. And um, it was just one of those situations that, as you mentioned, it's not necessarily um, what happens to you. It's what you're born into. So mm. um, that was those were the cards that I, was, I inherited when I was born. So none of these things were initial choices you made, but it was a product of your environment and not knowing how to live differently than what you saw modeled before you. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Um, and, you know, when you grow up in the neighborhood that I grew up in, um, specifically for the first 15 years of my life, until we moved into a, a better neighborhood, um, our options was we were either going to be a basketball or football player um, a rapper, or we were going to sell drugs. Those okay. were like the only three options that we had. Um, even the school system that I grew up in, um, and I started out in, we didn't have books. Um, high, second highest tax bracket in our state of Pennsylvania, but we didn't have books. Um, oh the teachers didn't want to educate. Just a lot of different things um, that we didn't have access to. And as a result, it actually set me up for failure when I transitioned into a better affluent school district. Um, so I found myself in the 10th grade, struggling to write a book report when children were learning certain things in this school district in 7th and 6th and 7th grade. So I was really behind because of the circumstance of my environment. How did that affect you emotionally? What, what did you believe about yourself? I just didn't believe that I was capable of doing anything great with my life. Um, mm. I mentioned a lot of low self-esteem, um, a lot of fear. Um, mm. I was very very withdrawn. So even though I was angry, um, even though I was, uh, I had the abandonment issues, um, and I had these, these challenges with authority. Um, I just did not believe that I was worthy to be loved because yeah. my dad wasn't a part of the picture. Um, and even though I had a stepfather at the time, um, and he did his best. Um, I think the first, I would say 10 years, I gave him a really hard time. And I remember there were times where he would try to help me and correct me and just love on me like a good father would. And I would lash out and say, I don't know why you're trying to do this. You're not my dad anyway. Um, and different things like that. So not only did I have these bad attitudes about myself, I didn't, I wouldn't allow anyone to love me. Um, mm. And I really struggled with that. Yeah. Isn't that something, if we can't see our value it's hard for us to receive someone genuinely loving and valuing us and celebrating us, even wanting to invest into us because we don't know how to receive it. Yeah. And that was the biggest challenge for me. And it's interesting because even in, as an adult, as, a, as an adult man, fully grown, as I'm maturing at my, you know, at 34 years old, as mature as you can be as a man, there are still things that have happened in my childhood, specifically in my formative years that I'm constantly um, finding myself working through and, and, mm. and processing through. Um, and I have to remind myself that, you know, that's a part of my past and I have to, you know, have the courage and, and the, the insight or the, 
the follow through to even allow myself to be vulnerable with people. And, you know, in my current context and, and the work that I do and who I am today as a man. Wow. Thank you for being so real and authentic because the fact is we're all a work in progress, aren't we? And, yes, ma'am, um, we are. But we learn to navigate through and there's something powerful about navigating through all the challenges of our life because in the process, it builds us. In the process, it does mature us. In the process, we learn skills and abilities, not just for ourselves, but to help others. You're still in that process at 34 years old while you're impacting so many others for good. That really can bring courage to every person because it's so easy to look at the grass on the other side and think it's greener, to look at somebody else and we think they got it all together, but to recognize, no, we're all growing, we're all advancing, we're all learning to navigate through even some of the challenges from our childhood. So let me ask you a question, Justin. Were there any individuals that really saw your value, saw your worth, and then they had this huge impact on your life to challenge you to begin to think differently about yourself? Yes, there were a few specific ones that come to mind. I would say there's three specific guys um, out of probably, I would say, seven or ten men throughout my journey that have really impacted me. Um, and the first guy would be at a local community center um, in my neighborhood. Um, his name is Randy Goodnight. And um, Mr. Randy, as everybody calls him, just a great guy, um, just consistent, just a lot of things that was missing in my life um, as a man, um, as a young boy. Um, he just provided consistency. He would always speak life and in, in, in purpose over my life. And he would always encourage me to go for my dreams and um, I met him through this program that was like an academic enrichment program at this community center. Because, as I mentioned, I struggled um, with my uh, with just, just school in general, and um, he just would just talk to me about who I was and really helped me build my confidence. And you know, the first year or two, I didn't like him. <laughs> um, I was attracted to him, and I, I, there was something about him that I wanted, you know, from him. But I didn't realize, you know. 2020s hindsight, I can look back now and see that it was who he was as a man. Mm. Um, and he was just very awesome and very consistent, very warm, very loving. But he also had this disposition where he just enjoyed life. Like, he never had a bad day. Um, and he would say things to me like, winners win, or we would, like, play video games, or he would take me to monster truck rallies, or take me to, um, you know, different museums, a part of this um, program that I was part of. And he really impacted my life so much so that um, I eventually, as I got of age to work, I began to work for him um, at that community center for years, and we still have a great relationship to this day. Um, wow. I would say another guy is a, a guy um, who ended up becoming like um, a youth worker in my life. Um, his name is Calvin Curry, um, and I met him around the same time, and he just really, um, he really believed in me so much that I couldn't believe in me. I don't know oh, if that makes sense. Yes, it sure <laughs> so, does. The same challenge that you had with your stepfather, you were projecting that onto Calvin, but he wasn't moved, was he? He wasn't. And you know what was interesting? Now that I think about it, he was the first man that I met that actually just genuinely wanted to see me do well. Mm. Um, I think the difference between him and Randy was Randy had the same heart for me and the same passion for me as a, you know, me. 
but it was in the context of it was still his job. Where this other guy, Calvin, it was not his job. He just he he loved mm-hmm. me. Um, he thought I was awesome, and um, you know we developed a great relationship. But we're still great friends to this day. Um, we just got finished texting each other this past um, weekend. So um, I've had the benefit of having that guy in my life. Mm-hmm. I've had so many other people, but I would also say I've had pastors come alongside of me too um, at a local church that actually was responsible for that community center, which is interesting how that works. And they've really just added a lot of significance to my life, character, um, development, my outlook on life, mm-hmm. really helped me understand um, the distinction between being Afro-conscious versus Afrocentric. Um, and I would say like the master, the pastor that has really kind of helped me with that is, his name is Joseph Garlington Sr. He really helped me understand you know, that even though I'm an African-American male, um, I'm not defined as being an African-American male, but wow. I need to be aware of that, but not allow it to limit my potential, not a- allow it to limit what I'm capable of achieving in my life. And it's just been a, a synergy in my life with these three men and other men, as I mentioned. And it's it's been pretty awesome. It's been pretty awesome. I love how he said Afro-conscious versus Afrocentric. That is really a powerful statement right there, isn't it? Yes, it is. And the thing is with him, he's never put it that way. He's lived it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're Afro-conscious, you're aware of the color of your skin. So for me, as an African-American male, I'm aware that I'm a person of color. I'm a, I'm a black man, right? I'm aware of that, but I don't allow it to define me. Whereas when you're Afrocentric, being a black man is the core of everything that I am. And that's true in certain contexts in life. But when you grow up in an inner city, in an at-risk neighborhood, and there are certain ways of thinking, right, that comes with that community and in that context. And, and these men, all of these men actually challenge me to think outside of that, to not just be limited by my surroundings or the color of my skin, but really develop my character and my effort and my attitude and my wow. overall outlook on life. I think everyone could take that principle and apply it to their life, that I cannot be defined by the external, but by my internal worth. And that is huge. That's where our potential lies in who we are internally. Wow. I love that. Okay. Um, Justin, could you tell me now how you are generating value in others? Today, the way I'm adding significance to a lot of people um, in my current context is my wife and I started a three-tiered nonprofit about five months ago. So we started with a a local church um, in an urban context, um, and then we are pioneering and going to be launching this fall an arts, tech, and leadership program Mm -hmm. for opportunity use. So I mentioned the term before, at-risk use, but there's actually a different term that I really like, and you can look up the research on it. It's called opportunity use. So we're looking to um, connect and influence the opportunities here in our city um, in our current context um, through arts, tech, and leadership um, training. Um, And the third wing of that would be a think tank that we're trying to create um, specifically around an urban context and um, inner city context and allow people who are trying to develop uh, research to actually have a place to come and practice. So a lot of times people want to go to a lot of different places, but we want to be a hub where practitioners and social sciences and education and all the different policies that influences those worlds can come and actually connect with people 
that you're trying to influence and try to try to help and develop. That is powerful. You're establishing a new culture, a new way of thinking, a new way of believing, a new way of acting, a new way of living, a new way of seeing yourself. And and that's really what you're projecting. And you're doing it, what, through the arts? Because you are also a video producer. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, filmmaker, photographer, sound designer. That's the other part of my skill set that was developed even through that community center um, mm-hmm. that I spoke of. Um, and I started there and I just continue to develop those skills. Um, so I'm trying to marry this idea of being a youth and young adults advocate with the art. But then what does it look like to use it in the context of how do you use these art skills to uplift your neighborhood, right? So what can we do with Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or all of these different you know channels that we have that visuals are a very big part of? What would happen if these children or students would be influenced to do something great, something that would uplift wow. the community with this. Yeah. Wow. So you are taking every skill, every passion that you hold and saying, how can I translate that to give opportunity to a generation so that they could be successful, so that they could see their worth, so that they too could contribute? Yes, absolutely. And that's really, if you looked at my story in a, a few sentences, it would be that I was at risk, born into a really broken situation. I connected to some great people and those people invested in me and helped me change my life. And now my journey is to do the same thing and recreate what has happened in my life in a different part of my city. That is beautiful. My goodness, Justin, thank you so much for sharing your story. I've been so honored. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I want to thank you for listening and encourage you to become a part of the Stopped Evaluation Movement. Be sure to like and follow hashtag Stopped Evaluation on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and visit StoppedEvaluation.com for more information and free resources. You can help spread the movement by sharing with others, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and most of all, by living a courageous lifestyle of using your power for good. Go out and value someone today. Your life matters and you can make the world a better place. One word, one choice, one action of validation at a time.